Well, amen. What a blessing. What a blessing that was. You can open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We are continuing a sermon series, actually finishing a sermon series this morning, titled Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace. We're going to read in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. So grateful for uh, children of the world and that ministry world help. They are doing good work, good gospel-centered work, and grateful for them. And notice... Uh, they left the drums up here, so if I see someone nodding, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to use them. Just letting you know. Just letting you know uh, as we get started. But look with me, Romans chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, which I'll remind you is truth with no mixture of error. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, for by grace, or by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray that as we study your word, you would draw near to us by your spirit. And open the eyes of our hearts that we would see the truths of Scripture. And we would be changed by the truths of Scripture. Lord, work in our midst. May we leave today different than when we walked in. And we'll thank you for that grace. May Jesus Christ be exalted in this place. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In January, we began the series, Habits of Grace, and we defined habits of grace like this. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly as a response to His grace and by the power of His grace in order to encounter the Lord and be changed. We said that there are habits that you can build into your life with God's help that put you in Jesus' path. So you can encounter him and be transformed by him. And that's what these habits of grace are all about. And in his book titled Habits of Grace, David Mathis identifies three categories of habits that you and I need to have in our lives. The first category, which we talked about a few weeks ago, is that of hearing God's voice. You and I uh, are called to consistently read the Bible, study the Bible, interact with the Bible so that we can hear God speak to us and be changed by His truth. 
The second category is that of having God's ear. We talked about prayer uh, last week when we said that we are to regularly, consistently have the habit of talking to God in prayer. And I gave you some practical things last week to help you and encourage you in your prayer life. I hope you had a good week of, of prayer this past week. But the third category is what we're going to talk about this morning. And this is going to close our sermon series. We'll start Galatians next week. But the third uh, category is that of belonging to his body. We need to have as a habit in our life, uh, belonging to being a, a vital part of the body of Christ. And so I want to talk to you about what it means to belong to his body. Now again, the body of Christ speaks of the church. And when I give you these, these things, these habits this morning, I don't want you to think that I'm giving you a list of religious things to do. This sermon is not about being religious or being a part of some uh, ritual. These things are habits that you and I can incorporate into our lives so that we can be changed. In other words, the church is one of the means that God uses to transform His people. So I'm not just dealing with checklist faith this morning. I'm talking about you experiencing Christ through the body of Christ and being changed by Him. So I want to talk to you about two ways that you and I can belong to His body. What does it mean to belong to the body of Christ? How do you do that? What does that look like? Well, I've got two answers to that question. Number one, we can belong to His body by serving. We can belong to His body by Serving. The passage we read in Romans is about life in the body of Christ, life in the church, and how we ought to interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the first part of that chapter speaks of us uh, serving, uh, serving the Lord in the body of Christ. So we can belong to his body by serving. Now thinking about that uh, role of serving, I want to give you three statements that will help you to put serving in the body in perspective. Here's statement number one. You ready? Everyone has a role. Everyone has a role. Look what it says back in Romans verse 3 of chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's a sermon in and of itself. Amen. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So it's saying that if you are a Christ follower, you are an individual member of the overall body of Christ. If you are an individual member in that body, you have a role, much like the parts of our physical bodies have uh, purpose and meaning and a role to play for us to function in our human bodies. And so everyone has a role. Now here's what that means. If you have a role and you're not fulfilling that role, then the body of Christ is not as healthy and vibrant as it could be, right? That's what it means. You have a role. Individually, members of one another. And if you are not active in that role, the body is not functioning like it could function. 
And so everyone has a role. If you are a follower of Christ, you have a role to play in the body of Christ. Here's the second statement. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift. Look what it says there in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So it says there that if we are in the body of Christ, if we are Christians, then we have been given a gift. God has given us a spiritual gift that we are to employ in the body of Christ. Everyone has a gift. Now, we could talk a lot about spiritual gifts. In fact, I could preach probably six weeks of sermons on spiritual gifts. Maybe we'll do that one day. And, and I'm hoping that this will be unpacked a little bit in your connect group gatherings as you talk about what spiritual gifts are. But there's a lot of curiosity and interest in discovering one's spiritual gift. And that's important. We, we want to know how God has wired us and gifted us to serve. And there are different ways you can do that. You can certainly read books about spiritual gifts. You can take spiritual gift inventories that you answer some questions and they help to kind of discern uh, some areas that you are passionate and gifted in. And, and, and those can be helpful. But let me make this proposal. I propose to you that the best way to discover your spiritual gift is by actually serving. If, you, if you'll just start serving, God will show you your spiritual gift. And he'll direct you to where he wants you. It's hard to be directed by the Lord if you're not doing anything for him, right? When I taught my kids how to ride their bike, I'd, I'd put them on the bike and, and I would say, pedal and steer, pedal and steer. And at the beginning, as they're just getting going and they're going very slow, it's hard to steer, right? It's kind of going everywhere. But as they pick up speed, it, it gets easier to steer the bike. As they are moving, it's easier to set their direction. And I want you to know, if you're not moving, if you're not serving, it's going to be hard for you to discern God's direction for your life. It's going to be hard. And so the best way to figure out your spiritual gift is to serve. Now, certainly, uh, you need to study the Bible and go to uh, passages like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4 that have some lists of spiritual gifts. But I, I propose to you that you're not going to discern how you are wired until you roll up your sleeves and start doing something. You got to do it to discern how God has wired you. So just get busy. I mean, start doing something. Uh, and, and, and you say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, there's a lot to do around here. There really is. And if you doubt that, just email any of our staff members or grab us on a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and say, is there anything to do? And I promise you, the answer is yes. There's plenty to do. I mean, we've got preschool ministry and children's ministry and student ministry, and, and we've got uh, ushers and greeters and security teams and and musicians and, and and worship ministry and discipleship and women's ministry and men's ministry and missions and church planting. and there, I'm telling you, there's so much to do. There really is. And I promise you, we can find a place for you to start serving. As you start serving, you'll begin to sense God's direction in your life. Let me give you another thought about gifts. Not only is the best way to discover them by serving, but the best way to employ them is with passion. 
Look what the Bible says in verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. When it comes to serving the Lord in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ, the statement is, oh, it's not, oh, I have to serve. The mindset should be, I get to serve. Right? There's a total different mindset there. Oh, i got to go serve. No, I, I get to go serve. Passion in serving the Lord. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a gift. When I, don't, I don't feel gifted, listen to me, based upon the authority of the Word of God. If you are a born-again Christian, God has given you a gift. And if you serve, He'll show you what that is. Well, there's a third statement. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a gift to use. But third, everyone is a steward. God's entrusted you with some things. And you can be a good steward and use those resources for, for others' good and His glory. Or you can be a bad steward and not use what God has given you. Let me give you some areas that we are stewards in. We are stewards of our giftedness. Look what it says in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If you've been given a gift... Use it. And he goes on to share some examples. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So if you have a spiritual gift and you do if you're a Christian, you are called to be a steward of that gift and put it into practice. We are stewards of our giftedness. We are stewards of our finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. There's an expectation that those who are Christians will be givers. They'll use their financial resources to, to serve others, to bless others, to further God's mission in the community and in the world. We're called to be stewards of our finances. Let me tell you something about your finances. They're not yours. You say, oh, it is my bank account. I got my checking account number, and it's my money. I worked hard for my money, right? Well, guess what? When you die, you're not taking it with you. It's going to go to your kids, and they may blow it. That'll bless you, won't it? They may waste all your hard work. Your money is not your money. Your money is simply some resources God has allowed you to hold on to for a time. And he wants you to be a good steward of it. What do you do with money? You take care of your family, certainly, right? And you try to make uh, your community, society a better place. And, and, and you have resources to contribute to the mission of God through the local church. In this community all around the world. And so we need to be good uh, stewards of our financial resources. We need to be good stewards of our time. Everyone has the same amount of time. And over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, we are told to redeem the time, to, to make the most of the time God has given us. Are you faithful in using the time God has given you to serve Him? Or do you waste a lot of time? We're to be good stewards of the gospel. 
we have this incredible message, right? The good news. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, talking about the gospel. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So you and I have been given this wonderful good news message. We're all sinners separated from a holy God. We deserve God's wrath and punishment, but God... In his great love, sent his only son. And Jesus left the splendor and glory of heaven. He took on humanity in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect, matchless life, perfectly fulfilling the law of God. And then of his own accord, of his own volition, following the will of his Father, he went to the cross and he died for the sins of the world. He took your sin and my sin on himself And he paid the penalty that we deserve to pay. He took our punishment. Why? Because he loves us. And after he died, he was buried. And early on Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. He defeated death itself. He's alive and he's mighty to save. And anyone, any sinner that turns from their sin and places their faith in Christ alone can experience the joy of forgiveness. Eternal life, abundant life, adoption, a relationship with God, reconciliation to God. We can experience all of that in Jesus Christ. That's really, really good news. And it's been placed in our hands. And we're called to be good stewards of that news. And actually share it with folks that need to hear it. So everyone has a role, everyone has a gift, everyone is a steward. Now, there are parts of my body that I think about more than others. Some I don't think about at all, but, but, but every part of my body has a purpose, and yours too, right? Your biological body. And it's the same in the body of Christ. If you're in the body, you have a purpose. And to use a football analogy... It may be time for some of you to get off the sidelines and get in the game, right? And start actively serving the Lord in and through the body of Christ. So how can we belong to his body? By serving. Number two, very quickly, by gathering. By gathering. Now, our church gets together. Here are the two primary ways that our church gathers. Number one, through Sunday morning Corporate worship. We meet on Sunday mornings because we're resurrection people and Jesus Christ rose from the dead early on a Sunday morning. So every time we get together on a Sunday, we are saying we are building our lives and our hopes on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? And we gather on Sunday and we sing songs of worship and praise. We get together and study God's Word together. We We fellowship and encourage one another. We gather together on Sunday mornings. That's not the only time we gather. Another major gathering time is through our connect groups. We have connect groups, small groups that meet in homes on our campus. Uh, We have small groups through Celebrate Recovery, step studies that meet. And these these small group opportunities are, are opportunities for you and I to gather so that we're not lost in the crowd. We get in in a smaller group to get to know some folks and We can begin to minister to others that have needs. They can minister to us. We can hold each other accountable. We can share our joys and our sorrows. 
We can encourage one another in that small group. We learn God's word together. We study the word and grow together in our walk with Christ. God has ordained that small groups be used to help people to grow in their faith. So where are you getting that from? Jesus. Now what he did? He gathered a small group of disciples and spent three years with them. So they were ready to take the gospel to the world when he was no longer physically on this earth. And so we gather in large group, corporate worship. And we gather in small groups, in in rooms and in homes to grow together in relationship. It's just like Acts chapter 2, the end of that chapter says that they would gather in Solomon's portico for large group worship. The the apostles would do the, the preaching and teaching and then they would gather in homes after that to encourage each other to grow in their faith. So that's how we gather And let me just tell you some things that happen when we get together with the body of Christ. Number one, when we gather, we we can experience the renewing of our minds. Early in chapter 12, notice what Paul writes, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. You know what happened to you this past week? You were bombarded with pressure. To conform to the ways of this world. That's what happened. Through what you watched, maybe uh, your environment on the job, uh, relationships you have, you were bombarded with pressure to conform, to be more worldly. But guess what happens when you gather? Instead of being encouraged to conform to this world, you are encouraged to be transformed, verse 2, by the renewing of your mind. You get together with the body of Christ and you get in the Word. And God uses His Word to transform your thinking and you leave looking at the world differently because you gathered. When we gather together, we can experience the renewing of our minds. Where, listen, where else are you being encouraged to be more like Jesus? There's not much encouragement out there in the world, is there, to be like Jesus? The encouragement is to conform. But when we get together, we are reminding each other it's time to transform. That's why I love the corporate gathering. When we walk through the book of the Bible together, we're about to start Galatians. We'll be in Galatians for about a year. Galatians is going to change our lives together. Isn't that awesome? We're going to get together and study God's Word together and be on the same page together. And have our minds transformed together. It's important that we do that. And so, when we gather, we can experience the renewing of our minds. If you come and gather with a large group and get in a small group, I promise you, you'll look at the world differently. You'll have more of a biblical Christian worldview to live by. Secondly, when we gather, we can obey the one another commands. The one another commands. Let me give you just a sampling of the one another commands in God's Word. John 13, 34, love one another. Romans 12, 5, be devoted to one another. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another. Galatians 6, 2, carry one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 32, forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another. 1 Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another. 
James 5.16, confess our sins to one another. James 5.16, pray for one another. There are a lot of one another commands. Now let me ask you a question. If you aren't gathering with the body of Christ, how are you obeying those? There are no one another's around for you to bless. If you're over there trying to live Christianity in an isolated way, you can't fulfill these commands of loving and encouraging the one another's, the body of Christ. Can't do it if you're not gathering, right? We've got to gather to obey the one another commands. You say, well... Wade, you just didn't understand. I can find a better preacher than you on TV, and you would be absolutely right. I know Adrian Rogers is still on Love Worth Finding, right? You can find a you can find a better preacher than Wade, but it's not about that. You can sit home and watch TV, but but are you loving the one another's? Are you encouraging the one another's? Are you blessing the one another's? You can't unless you gather. You're sitting by this morning a one another. Amen? And they're sitting by you. And as you gather, you can begin to live out these commands. Let me tell you a third thing that happens when we gather. When we gather, we can experience real fellowship and encouragement. Real fellowship and encouragement. Look what it says in Romans 12, verse 15. Powerful verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. As we gathers we get together we begin to live life with each other if someone's on a mountaintop they have their brothers and sisters in christ to rejoice with them and praise the lord for what's going on in their life if someone's walking through a valley and valleys come for us all amen if we're walking through a valley we've got brothers and sisters in christ that can cry with us and walk with us and, and, and encourage us. You know, if you heard about uh, Pastor in Tupelo last week that tragically lost his three-year-old son. Heart condition they uh, weren't aware was as critical as it was. He had some heart surgeries at an early age, but he was, by all accounts, a healthy uh, boy. And one day, playing out in the yard, he went and laid on the porch, and he was gone. And I saw a picture of the church family that night, and they just, they just surrounded the house. They weren't knocking on the door. They just surrounded the house, and they were just weeping with their pastor and his family. They began to sing songs of praise and just, and just lift up Jesus and trusting him in the midst of the tragedy but I thought, boy, what a picture of the body. Weeping together. And something like that. And so, when we gather, we can experience real fellowship and encouragement. Let me tell you what the Bible says over in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The Bible says that we ought to give ourselves to encouraging one another, spurring each other on to love and to good works. Then it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but meeting all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
we are told not to forsake gathering. I remember people say, the Bible don't tell me i got to go to church. Yes, it does. I just quoted it. It says, don't stop assembling. You need to get together. I need you. You need me. We need the one another sitting beside us. Amen? That happens as we gather. When we gather, we get fellowship. Real fellowship. By the way, the word translated fellowship in the Bible is the word koinonia. It, it goes far beyond fried chicken. Growing up, my church building, we had, a, we had a sanctuary, then we had a little wing, and at the end of that wing was a fellowship hall. And all that meant is that's where you go eat. Now, eating can be a place where you fellowship. I fellowshiped around the table many, many times with many, many people. But it goes beyond that, right? It, it's, it's walking with each other through life. Real fellowship, real encouragement to keep on keeping on. Listen to what David Mathis writes. Fellowship may save your life in the dark night of the soul. As you pass through the valley of the shadow of death and the shepherd comforts you with his staff, you will discover that he has fashioned his people to act as his rod of rescue. When the desire to avail yourself of hearing his voice in the word has dried up. You ever come to a place where you just don't feel like reading the Bible? When your spiritual energy is gone to speak into his ear in prayer. Have you ever been through a time in life when you don't even know what to pray? When that happens, God sends his body to bring you back. Wow. When you feel like you can't keep on keeping on, the body of Christ can be used of the Lord to come to your rescue and lift you up. A few weeks ago, I came to worship, and I was just discouraged. It's the best way I can explain it. Just my heart felt heavy. I felt weighed down with just some things going on in our world and our society. And, and, and I, honestly, I began to think about uh, my kids and what they're growing up in and what they're going to face in the future and, and all that's out there, the, the minefield that's out there for our young people. And, and I, I just kind of walked in, and I just felt kind of discouraged and, and heavy and weighed down. You ever felt like that? Just kind of. And, um, and I got here and greeted some folks, and, and uh, I came and stood right there on that front row, and we were singing, and we were singing Great I Am. Travis, the praise team, musicians up here leading Great I Am. And, and uh, all I can tell you is in that moment as I stood there singing those great truths of the faith, and I heard you singing behind me, and you were singing out that morning. I'm telling you, 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 y'all were getting with it, all right? And I heard the, the voices rise as one, praising the great I am. All I can tell you is my spirit was lifted. My faith and my confidence in the Lord and His sovereignty just, just began to soar. And I, I walked out of that room that morning a different person than when I walked in. You know what that is? That's the power of gathering, right? Fellowship, truth, worship, togetherness. And so, how can we belong to the body? What habits do we need to have in our lives that position us to be changed by Jesus? We need to serve. 
God's gifted us to serve. We need to serve. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. For you, that may mean, you know, it's time to go check, touch base with Angela in the preschool area or Kevin in the children's area or Derek in the, uh, in our student, with our students and say, hey, can I help? Is there something I can do? Or maybe email the church and we can get you in touch with the ushers, greeters, security team. Maybe you're out there and you sing like a songbird. And there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't be up here with the choir singing every Sunday using your gift for the Lord. You've been on the sideline for whatever reason. Get back in the game. Let your voice be used to praise Jesus. Amen? Or maybe you play an instrument or, or, or you can do sound and technology and media. I mean, there's all sorts of things to do. Church planting in their short-term mission church. We have a team right now in Southeast Asia. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. Ways you can be involved serving the Lord through the body of Christ. We're not the perfect church. But we're the church. Amen? And we want to make a difference. We want to expand His kingdom across the street and around the world. And maybe... Serving for you means to get off the sidelines and back into the game. Or maybe it's just, hey, I need to, I need to build into my life as a habit, gathering. And make sure I'm regular, consistent. That I'm here, my family's here, my kids are here. That it's, it's just a habit. On Sunday morning, we're not scratching our heads wondering what we're going to do that day. We, we know it's, it's church day, it's, it's resurrection day. It's our habit. It's what we do. Build that habit of gathering in a large group, in a small group, and see how God uses that in your life. Here's the point. When we belong to the body of Christ, we will be blessed and we will be a blessing. Isn't that what it's all about? We're blessed by the Lord and by the body of Christ through the church. And, and we also are positioned to impact others. We can be a blessing. Let me close by saying this. I've never regretted, listen to me, I've never regretted serving the Lord. I can't think of one thing I've ever done for Jesus where I thought, I wish I wouldn't have done that. What a waste of my time. Never. I've never had that thought. I've never regretted anything I've given for the mission of God. I've never missed anything I've given away for the kingdom. I've never given and thought, man, I wish I had that money back. What a waste. No. It's always a blessing when I, when I give. I've never regretted. I can remember I've never regretted gathering with God's people. Walking out after church and saying, boy, that was a waste of time. Wish I wouldn't have gone to church today. And listen to me. I've been in church a lot. When I was born, I was in church. I was a Baptist before I was a Christian. You know that's possible, right? I've been in church all my life. I've gathered a lot. And I can't ever recall a time I've left and thought, wish I wouldn't have done that. There's always that blessing that comes with gathering with God's people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment?
this series has been about habits. Engaging the Word consistently. Talking to God in prayer consistently. Belonging to the body of Christ consistently. If we will build those habits into our lives, you and I will encounter Jesus and be changed by Him. Those are the means God has ordained to change our lives. And they need to be habits, continual, consistent habits. So maybe this morning as we sing a song, you just need to pray, Lord, help me. I need your help. And remember, these are habits of grace. We can't do them in and of ourselves. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That's what the Bible says. And I told you the first sermon of this series, if this series causes us to do nothing else other than cry out, help, it will have been a success. So would you just, in these moments as we sing, as you stand in your heart, would you just say, help. Help me to love your word. Help me to grow in prayer. Help me to engage in the body of Christ. And see what God does.